This is Chad Johnson, the founder of Furnace Fest, and you're listening to the New Scene Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the new scene. I am your host, Keith, and I'm back with a brand new episode. And in the guest hosting chair this week, I've got the one, the only, Brendan Ekstrom. Brendan, say hello. Hey, how you doing? Brendan, it's great to have you back. Do you realize, Brendan, you have not been on this show since episode 28. Yeah, I think about it pretty much every night before I go to sleep. I knew it. I knew it. And look, a lot has happened since the last time you've been on, so let me catch you up. We signed with Iodine Recordings. Uh, we became the new scene. Uh, Tommy's not here anymore. And we are now one of the uh, leading music interview podcasts. What do you think of that? I mean, I think it's awesome. I'm really happy yeah. for you when I when I think about it. I uh, I listen when I can, mostly when it's um, honestly, mostly when it's bands that I'm somewhat aware of, I just don't yeah. have too much time to do it these days, but I was just super happy for you to, to, to have this and to be doing it. Same here. Thank you, Brendan. Yeah. You know what? I don't even listen to this show. I don't have time because I'm always cranking out another one. Let's not, let's stray away from saying cranking it out as much as possible. Yeah, uh, I'm always producing an, another award winning podcast Better, week yeah. to week. So go. I don't have, uh, I don't have time to yeah. sit and listen to myself, you know? Yeah. I am a little surprised you didn't ask me to replace Tommy and that you've been successful without that. But I mean, it's cool. Well, you know, I, I did think about it, but it's kind of like uh, the divorce I could never get over. You know, like I was willing to go the distance with Tommy, but uh, I, I'd rather just do it myself now. You know what I'm saying? I think it's great. And also, it, I think in some ways it makes it easier. I'm sure it's more difficult in some ways too, but I think it's easier in some ways. You don't have to deal with all the scheduling and all the different sort of things that are going on. That's it. It's uh, schedule management and personality management. All I have to do is worry about myself. And believe me, that's enough to worry about. And working with friends is difficult in general. It's like, yes. if you start to get annoyed about those little things, it's like gets in, in the middle of your personal, you know, your friendships and everything that sucks. That's another thing. Like, I don't want to introduce that dynamic to another friendship. Not that Tommy and I aren't friends and all that stuff, but it did make our friendship more difficult. Yeah. And I just, I don't want to do that to another friendship. I can't, I won't. And this, this guest co-host thing is great because I get to have like all different kinds of different flavors added to the show. True. What flavor would yeah. you say I am then? Zesty Italian. <laughs> that seems, <laughs> that seems wrong. But I, I'm, I'm just, I wanted to hear it, and there it was, so let's go with it. Well, everybody, strap in. We've got a great episode this week. Jack Beatson from Foreign Hands. Foreign Hands is doing awesome things right now. They've got a new EP coming out, Lucid Noise. They've got another new single out from that EP, Tearing Down Your Reality. They have one of the best releases of 2022, Bleed the Dream. And Brendan, they're big This Day Forward fans. That's that's always interesting to hear. Um, it's cool. I, I listened to a little bit of them. I hadn't heard of them before uh, you asked me to do this. I think actually I've heard the the name, but not really checked them out. Um, and I I can hear a little bit of the influence for sure. Although it's, I feel like it's more of the early this day forward before I was there influence. Um, and I feel like it's so it's strange to me when people talk about this day forward. I still don't feel like 
really like it was my band. <laughs> like, I feel like I was just like playing guitar for this day forward. Not like just there's so much of it. There's such a history of that band that I wasn't there for. Yeah, there was a lot you weren't there for. But you know what? There was a lot that you were there for. And that's it. That's where I'm going to leave it. I was there for, you know, the sexy years, we'll call them. <laughs> you came in at the end when everything was easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so easy. Hotels. <laughs> we just fucking had it made. Piles in. of cash. Uh, you know, you were living the life. I mean, most of our recordings were done on a yacht. And <laughs> you know, I, it sucked only because I had to learn how to spell yacht. But, you know, <laughs> is what it is. We got through it. That's the past. And then you had to kind of settle into Circus Survive. You know, it wasn't as profitable. It wasn't quite as magnificent, but you made do with what you had. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, back in the van with Circa and uh, yeah, I mean, less sexy times, I guess. Yeah. But listen, that conversation with Jack is coming up in a minute. It's great. We cover it all. We cover the band. We cover the recording process. We cover the releases. And of course, their influences, including this day forward. But before we get to that, here's some ways you can support me, the new scene, Apple Podcast and Spotify reviews. Open up your Apple Podcast or Spotify application, give us five stars. And if you leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it on the air. We've got a nice selection of shirts at Deathwish Inc. Head over to Deathwish Inc. and search the new scene. You'll see the shirts. Pick one up. They're great. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. And I always forget this part, but you can email me. You can email me and tell me what you think about the show or me or anything else. My email is newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Also support Iodine Recordings. There's a lot going on at Iodine. As always, the Iron Roses have upcoming tour dates. The Darling Fire has upcoming tour dates with Zombie Apocalypse. Head on over to the Iodine Instagram at Iodine Recordings or check them out at iodinerecords.com. So, Brendan, let's talk about what we're listening to right now, besides, of course, This Day Forward and Foreign Hands. Now, uh, I'm going to go first. Silent Drive, the latest LP, Fairhaven. Now, if you remember, everybody, I had Zach, frontman of Silent Drive, on the show on episode 124. I just got a hankering to listen to the album, and I did. It's amazing. And you know what? I'm not even going to try to classify it because it can't be classified easily. It's not hardcore. It's not post-hardcore. It's not like, it's just, it's just rocking. It's rocking. It's heavy. It's awesome. Check it out. I was listening to it again and it's really, really good. What are you listening to, Brendan? I've been listening to the Misfits a lot because we're doing uh, that cover band on Saturday for Halloween we do every year. Is that Um, this Saturday or next Saturday? Okay, so it's it's uh it's tomorrow. <laughs> oh shit, never mind. It's Saturday. Yeah, Saturday <laughs> the tomorrowth and um yeah, it's like uh nine o'clock in Doylestown uh at Maxwell's on Main Street and we go and we play a bunch of misfits songs and I it's I oddly didn't get into the misfits until I was probably like thirty eight years old or something. Um, which seems like something you shouldn't do at that age. But uh turns out I love it. It's super fun. Um, so that's been on my like repeat playlist a lot recently. And what have I been listening to? I'm trying to think if there's new stuff that I've been getting into. Um, okay. Open Spotify and it's on uh, flying Lotus. So apparently I was listening to flying Lotus. There you go. Um, yeah, I have playlists, but almost all of them, like none of them really revolve around new music. Tell us the older stuff you're listening to. Cause we, we want to know that as well. 
I'm trying to get more into um, into like a lot of the deeper cuts of Bob Marley and the Whaler stuff. They're probably like my favorite band right now. Just the musicianship and like a lot of the live shows have been really intriguing to me. And with my stereo setup, it's really fun to listen to some of the some live concerts on there. It's uh, if you get it at the right volume, it sort of feels like you're actually there. So that's been fun. The hell else have I been listening to? I mean, same old shit recently. I put on like the Fire Theft album. That's an amazing record. Um, yes. I listened to a really old Modest Mouse a lot, um, old Alkaline Trio a lot. I don't know, man. Nothing that's really that cool. Although I did try to make a, uh, like a hardcore playlist recently. So I started that at least. And unfortunately, well, I guess it makes sense, but it mostly starts back with like the metalcore that you know, was around when this day forward was playing like a lot of stretch Armstrong turmoil, snap case, throw down that, that type of stuff, drowning man and Zayo, yes. Zayo drowning man, 12 tribes. So I've started there and I'm going to lean on you a little bit to start adding newer stuff to that. Yes. I can help you there. I can help you there. You know, if I had to make a top five favorite songs of all time list, heaven by the fire theft would be on that list. Oh man, it's so good. So that's good. just like an unbelievable song. And it's strange. Like, I guess I'll just say Sunny Day Real Estate is probably my favorite, um, favorite band from like contemporary music. And I might put the Fire Theft album in line with being as good as those records, honestly. Maybe not quite, but the whole, the whole thing's good front to back. It's a really strong album. I've been meaning to listen to the whole thing again because I haven't in a long time. So it's almost like I've never heard it. I just listened to Heaven over and over again. But I'm going to listen to it now because now my interest is peaked. Yeah, we were supposed to go to the reunion, the Sunny Day reunion, like two weeks ago. And my daughter like got really sick that night. So so don't have kids, I guess, or don't or don't have interests. I mean, it's really up to you. (laughs) You got to make that choice, you know. (laughs) Well, listen, we're out of time for this segment, but please make sure you check back in with me and Brendan in segment three. We'll talk about the interview with Jack. We'll talk about This Day Forward. We'll talk about Circus Survive. We'll cover it all. But right now, we are going to speak to Jack Beatson of Foreign Hands. Enjoy. We're here now with Jack Beatson. Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Jack, it's great to have you here. Your band recently got on my radar with the Bleed the Dream EP. I love what you guys are doing. 
I know you've got a new song and new things coming up, and we're going to get to all of that. But first, Jack, let me ask you, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm actually out in California right now. Um, I've been hanging out with my girlfriend, staying with her, and um, you know the the tour we're about to do. It starts in California and then it ends here as well. So I figured I'd come out here and hang out for a couple weeks before the tour started, and then I'm gonna hang out here once the tour ends too. So it's a nice nice little uh, change of scenery for me. Where are you from originally? Uh, so I'm from Delaware. Uh, most of us in the band are like either Delaware or Philadelphia. Our, uh, our drummer was originally from South Carolina, but he actually moved up to Delaware a couple years ago. So we're, we're all in like the Delaware, Philadelphia area. Ah, that makes it. See, I, I, because you're in California right now, I figured the band was from California. So, okay. I am, I am from Philadelphia as well. Philadelphia area. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yes. I've basically been there my whole life. So I'm I'm on the complete opposite coast of where I usually am. This tour coming up, who was the tour with? Um, so it's with Stick to Your Guns, Kublai Khan, Belmont, and Koyo. Wow. Yeah, it's a big one. Wow. What a tour. Yeah, we're we're uh we're super excited for it. That's incredible. You know what's funny? I have spoken to several bands. On that tour now, I've spoke to Stick to Your Guns, and then I spoke to Koyo, who was on that tour, and now I'm speaking to you, who was on that tour. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> I didn't even know everybody was on the tour. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how that works out sometimes. It's like a lot of, a lot of times it's, tours end up being a, a big gathering of, of people you either know or you've crossed paths with before. Have you crossed paths with those bands before? I guess you must have, right? So I don't personally know anyone in belmont stick to your guns or kublai khan i think some of the other guys know some of those guys but uh us and koyo go way back the first full u.s tour that foreign hands did was actually with uh typecast and atonement which were two bands that uh members of koyo were both in so this uh, it'll it'll be like a like a nice reunion touring with them because that was about four years ago exactly where we we toured with those bands so it'll be nice to get to hang out with them all on the road again that's awesome and i imagine a lot of new people are catching on to the band at least i hope that's what's happening because ever since i heard bleed the dream i love it i really like what's going on it reminds me of music that i grew up with but it's not just a tribute or a rehash it's got a it's it's like a fresh take on everything yeah yeah it, it it kind of like blew up much harder than any of us were expecting it to. Um, I, I I don't even know if I can attribute it to like just one thing, but I mean, we, we put the record out uh, through days. Our friend Lumpy who runs it was just really adamant about putting it out and like pushing it. And he had this whole nice like rollout set up for us. And I think that that definitely helped get the hype going and, when we when we uh when we put out like the single for the EP and we did like a music video and all that um it just started circulating like super fast and we were all kind of like what the hell is going on you know like i i had to like put my phone down cuz i was like this is too much but yeah i mean it just you know started catching on to all these different pockets of listeners that had never really heard us before and people just kind of kept spreading it around that way so by by the time the EP itself came out um, there was already like a sizable amount of people who were waiting for it uh, to be released. And 
you know, it just kind of kept going from there. We were, we were able to, to do a little like week and a half long tour to promote it afterwards. And uh, we've just kind of been staying active since then. And it just seems like it's only continuing to grow, which is incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. So where in Delaware are you from? Uh, so I'm from Wilmington, like the northern tip of the state. I'm like basically right on the Pennsylvania state line. Uh, and I, I've lived there my whole life. So I'm like, depending on traffic, like 20 to 30 minutes outside Philly and like two and a half hours from New York, hour and a half from uh, from Baltimore. So it's a pretty centralized location, which I love about it. Yeah, it's the best for that reason, because, you know, growing up, going to shows, traveling with bands, you can jump to D.C., Baltimore, you can jump to New York, you've got Philly there, you've got plenty of options. It's, everything's close. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I love so much about about Delaware and just about that region of the Northeast in general. And, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, California is like the polar opposite, such a big state. It's just been throwing me for a loop being out here because I'm, I'm so used to, you know, where I'm from, everything's very close together and compact. And I think I definitely took that for granted until I started traveling outside the tri-state area and, you know, going to the West Coast for the first time or even going to the Midwest for the first time and realizing like how nice I have it, you know, living in Delaware. It's it's such a it's such a convenience. It's awesome. Yeah, and Wilmington, if you're in that downtown part, it seems pretty walkable. Um so I, I'm like outside the downtown area. Uh I'm in like the, the suburbs. And when I when I was younger, it was like I mean, it was feasible to like walk around and, and do stuff, but I, I think just because of you know the the nature of getting older i kind of stopped walking everywhere and just driving i i wish it was a little bit more walkable where i'm at but i did work in downtown wilmington for a while doing deliveries for law firms and i was doing a lot of walking during that so I, it it is nice when you're downtown because it is very walkable but once you get outside that area it's kind of like all right, you got to drive. There's no sidewalks. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about your history with music. Now, since we're from the same area, I'm very curious. How did you discover this music? Where did you go to shows? When did you go to shows? Lay it on us. Yeah. Um, so I was always really into music uh, because of my dad. Um, my dad's a huge music guy. And, you know, I was just, I just grew up like hearing music all the time in the car and around the house he was you know like he got me into all like you know the essential classic rock bands like showed me the beatles acdc and also was like huge like 80s and 90s music guy so he was always playing like the cure and depeche mode and then i remember him showing me nirvana and oasis and the pixies and i i just like totally latched on to all that stuff and i remember him giving me a copy of Dookie by Green Day and just being like, you know, just totally obsessed with all that. Um, he's got good taste. Yeah, no, and he, he still does. We still bond over music. It's awesome. But when I when I started like branching off and like finding music for myself, it was like, I, I was probably like eight or nine and like all of my friends were into like new metal. <laughs> so I was listening to like, I remember my friend giving me like a burnt copy of Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park and System of a Down and Slipknot and stuff like that. And uh, just through like listening to those kind of bands, I gradually kind of found, you know, like metalcore. Like I would go through 
you know, like on demand, they'd have like the music choice music videos. And I just like go through and watch all the music videos. And that was how I found bands. And I started listening to stuff like Shadows Fall, Poison the Well, As I Lay Dying, Martyr AD, like all this stuff where the music, it was literally just because I saw the music videos. And that kind of opened me up to, to, you know, like metal and hardcore more. And I, I did have, when I was in middle school, I had like a couple friends who were like super into like the punk and hardcore side of things. Like they showed me like Agnostic Front and Cro-Mags and AF, like older AFI. And I remember I was like vibing with it for a while, but I just kind of, because I had that background and listening to like metal and stuff like that, I gravitated more towards the metalcore side of things. So in my formative years, I was very much so like all in on all that metalcore stuff. And it was, it was very big uh, in Wilmington specifically. Um, we had this venue called the Grange and they had, you know, metal and hardcore shows there uh, basically weekly. And it was, it was a little bit further from my house. So unfortunately I missed out on like a lot of shows that I really wanted to go to. I just couldn't find my way there, but I still got to go to a ton of, a ton of great shows there, mainly just like local bands. Um, just, you know, just like a bunch of locals from Delaware or Pennsylvania and just would see a lot of them. And then obviously if I wanted to go to like, you know, something a bit bigger, more high profile. Uh, that was when I started being able to like, my, my parents were coming around to like giving me rides and stuff like that. So I was able to go get rides up to see bands in Philly. And um, yeah, and then just, you know, I, I sort of, unfortunately, Delaware's music scene has kind of faded since then. Um, we've just had really bad luck with venues. Um, just going through all these different venues, the grain shut down. And after that, it's kind of been like ping pong with all these different venues, trying to find one that sticks. And we can't really seem to find one, unfortunately. So I really started going more, gravitating more towards Philly and even like Baltimore and stuff like that. If there was a package that, that didn't go to Philly. Um, and yeah, I, I just started meeting people throughout the tri-state area and you know once you meet people from one city it's just like a domino effect you know like you just end up meeting all these people because like we were talking about earlier it's a very like everything's super close in that area so, you know you'd have people from maryland or dc coming to philly shows or vice versa so yeah i mean th those were definitely like the big the big three of Delaware shows when I was younger and then like Philadelphia and Baltimore as I started to get older were like the main places where I would go to shows. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it's really a small scene. It's everyone knows each other. It's, yeah. it's all interconnected. Yeah. Which is, I, I, I honestly think it's great. You know, I've, I've just made so many lasting friendships through it because I mean, especially in Delaware with it being as small and tight knit, you know, once we lost that primary venue, like a lot of people just kind of, you know, stopped coming around. Um, so there, there's definitely like a core group of us that have stuck together that are still playing in bands, going to shows, trying to throw shows in the state. So we, we've all known each other, you know, 10 plus years. And that, that's a great, a great bond for all of us to have. I'm glad that we're still, you know, such a tight group of friends. That's awesome. Yeah. Is anyone trying to get a new Grange going somewhere in Wilmington? 
Um, as far as I know, no. We've kind of tried with a couple different spots, and nothing's really panned out. And I just, I just don't think anybody's that interested in like investing in opening up like a proper music venue. Like we do, we have a venue in downtown Wilmington that's like a Live Nation owned venue, but they're much more focused on like, you know, bigger touring packages and not so much. They're they're not really even paying attention to like the local bands in Delaware. Like we're not even on their radar. So it's kind of a bummer, but yeah, unfortunately it is what it is. What venues were you going to in Philly back in the day? I'm trying to place the timeline here. Yeah. Um, so prior to going to like metal and hardcore shows, the first concert I ever saw was at the, uh, the Wachovia Spectrum, um, where they used to have the Phantoms games. It was actually the last event that they had there as my dad took me to see Green Day there. And it was just like, it was fucking awesome. They played for like two hours, which like now I can't imagine either playing for two hours or like watching a band for two hours. But I was like 12 or 13 and I was, it was like the best night of my life. Uh, So yeah, that, that, that was the first big one I went to. And then as far as like heavy shows, um, you know, I, I saw a ton of bands at the TLA, at the Electric Factory. The, the venue uh, Voltage Lounge that's like attached to Electric Factory. Um, yep. There was this smaller venue called The Fire that was going for a little while. Um, ah, yes. I've played there before, back in the day. Yeah, they, they were doing shows there for like a minute, and then they stopped, and then I thought that they were going to start doing shows there again, like once shows started coming back last year, and then it just hasn't happened I, I i don't know why but i i always loved going to and playing that venue yeah it's a good one yeah for sure i'm trying to think of others uh kung fu necktie oh of course that's my yeah. favorite in philly yeah that's a that's a, a staple <laughs> a staple venue i think i think that's about it there's probably like one or two that i'm forgetting well that gives me a pretty good idea of things so talk about foreign hands how did it get started when did it get started yeah um so technically speaking uh foreign hands has been a band for like over 10 years but that's throughout like multiple like name lineup and sound changes so our like our singer tyler norris he started it with a bunch of people that aren't in the band now um way back in the day and under a different name and everything and they were going for a couple years and then they had a lineup change and then they changed their name. And then, you know, a couple years after that, uh, they did another name change to foreign hands. And, uh, that was when they asked me to join. Um, so at that point it was Tyler, myself, and then our other guitarist, Gil, we were the ones that, uh, that were in the lineup back then. And that was around like 2016. And it was kind of like a weird thing because we had joined the band and they had all this music, uh, basically an album's worth of music that they were planning on releasing, but it had been written, you know, over the course of like two to four years prior to that throughout these like different eras and sound changes. Um, So we kind of like came into the band when they were finalizing all this music that was, you know, old and not necessarily representative of like what we wanted to play 
so like we had a, a an album that came out and towards like the end of 2016 and we like played some shows around it and like very quickly realized with the lineup we had then we were like we're not really feeling this like these songs it's like not what we want to play was it like leftover music maybe from previous eras of the band like the songs kind of carried over but your hearts weren't in it anymore yeah exactly uh it it was it was stuff mainly that that tyler had written again like over different periods of time throughout different eras of the band and we we kind of all decided like after it was out we were like we want to we want to change things up a bit like this isn't the kind of music we want to play how did it differ from what you're doing now um it was a lot more influenced by bands like uh like dead swans and the carrier and have heart like much more melodic hardcore focus which were bands that that all of us were super into at some point or another but i think just by then we were kind of over it you know like we still loved that sound and all those bands but it just wasn't what we wanted to be playing um and it just wasn't what we were listening to right and you know when you're younger your taste changes pretty quickly. Plus, when you put new people together in a band, no matter what it is, uh, the dynamics are going to shift. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, you know, like basically a fresh start for like the previous members of the band. You know, it was like reinventing themselves. And then Gil and I got brought in, too. So it's, you know, this whole new dynamic, this whole new uh, set of ideas that come through. So that definitely contributed to it as well. But I mean, even like Tyler, who had written the songs, he was like, he was super over it because he'd been, you know, he'd been sitting on these songs for, like I said, between two and four years. So he was like, I don't even like these songs anymore. You know, like he he wanted to start fresh. We all were just like, let's, you know, let's take some time off and like figure out what kind of music we want to play and like see how we can keep the band going because we were all very committed to the band itself. You know, we were all like, all we were all in but we just had to kind of figure out what we wanted to do with it and you know like i said like i'm a, a huge like fan of older metalcore obviously and uh as is tyler and we were super into bands like uh like turmoil we were listening to a lot of turmoil at that point and uh obviously loved poison the well and converge and that stuff and we we wanted that to kind of uh shine through more in our music so like towards the end of 2017 we uh we recorded three songs and put them out as like a little promo demo thing and people were kind of like you know into it i think there were probably a lot of people who like maybe didn't like our previous sound and just didn't check it out it it kind of slid under the radar which we fully expected and and even like going back and listening to it now, it's you can tell we're in a transitional period. You know, the the songs are kinda they, they sound like we do now, sort of, but it, it it was it just feels like a weird halfway point to me when I go back and listen to them. And I think it was just we, we had to put those out to kind of figure out like what direction we wanted to go in. And I remember us like having the conversation afterwards. It was like we have three songs here and each of them like kind of go in a different direction we should pick one of those and stick with it and we all really gravitated towards just amping up the uh the older metalcore worship and with the the chaotic sound and stuff and 
we we put out that uh spring promo those two songs in 2018 and we're like super stoked on those and it, it felt like we were like okay this is what we're trying to do this makes sense this feels natural and it was great i you know i think we started finding our niche with those two songs but we 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 did our first full us after that that i was talking about earlier with with typecast and that was great for us and it got us a bunch of exposure and led to some other cool tours over the course of like the next year or so 2019 we we put out a couple more songs on a split with a band cast in blood that again just saw us kind of settling into that sound more and incorporating a bit more like melody and stuff like that but you know i i think it was just like we were still sort of like we were closer to where we wanted to be but we weren't quite there yet and so it was really hard for us to like write and like record stuff that we were happy with so there was this you know i mean it was like basically from from 2018 to 2021 we had only put out four songs and so it was like we need to we we knew we had to like buckle down and be like all right we we gotta like get our shit together and like focus and you know come out with something more cohesive you're saying 2018 to 2021 you only put out four songs in that time yeah we put out we put out <laughs> two songs on a promo in 2018 and two songs on a split in 2019 and then no new music until bleed the dream <laughs> wow you know it's pretty amazing that you can do all of this stuff with that small amount of music released yeah i i mean looking back on it the fact that we were able to even like stay relevant and like get some cool tour offers was like it feels like a miracle <laughs> like it <laughs> you know it i i'm glad that that people were uh interested enough or believed in us enough to stick around and keep paying attention cuz you know again looking back on it I'm like we we hardly had any music out i mean knocked loose took us out on a on like a a smaller venue tour that they did that was like a run of more like intimate shows and when i think back on that now i'm like they took us out and we only had like eight songs released or something like that. And the the fact that people were willing to take a chance on us is awesome. And I, I think I'm super thankful for that because I feel like without those people, we probably would have just kind of faded into obscurity and lost the motivation, you know? That's awesome. When was that run of Knocked Loose shows? Uh, that was August 2019. It was right around uh, the release of A Different Shade of Blue. Um, they did this like week and a half long thing in support of that album where they basically just went around the Midwest and did a bunch of like super small intimate shows in venues that they had played like when they were coming up, um, which is really cool because it was like a bunch of, you know, small rooms, no barrier and just like super crazy shows in these, you know, dinky venues in the Midwest. It was it was a really cool experience. That's amazing. Those must have been incredible shows. Yeah, it was it was weird because, you know, we'd we'd pull up to a venue that's like literally in the middle of nowhere and be like, you know, like what what is this show going to be like? And then, you know, it's knocked loose, so obviously it's it's packed out and people are going crazy. It was it was definitely cool to be a part of that and experience that. Yeah, and I like number one that bands like Knocked Loose are reaching out and giving you guys a chance and number two 
that a newer, different sounding band like yourselves are able to get these opportunities and that people are receptive to it. Because at least from my history and past with the scene, it seems like people lock on to one thing and they don't make room for anything else. And right now, for the for a while now, there's this vicious metalcore thing going on where it's like, you know, bands like uh, Knocked Loose or Vane, that type of thing. And I love those bands. I love all that stuff. And you guys sound different, though. You sound like more classic melodic metalcore. So I like that you can do something different, that you can be out there, and that people are still receptive to it. Yeah, I, I'm like super grateful for that, too. And I think a a big a big part of like why we wanted to go for something that was like a bit different than that is because you know like with I mean music in general right now it's like you know it's so oversaturated there's so many bands there's so many artists in any different genre so like it can be kind of overwhelming you know like when a new a new band or a new artist puts out music it's like at least speaking from experience, like I get intimidated sometimes because I'm like, oh my God, there's all this new stuff I have to check out. And, you know, a lot of the time it kind of ends up blurring together for me. And, you know, that during that period where, uh, you know, where Noctilus was really blowing up and Vane was really blowing up, you know, it was like, obviously there's all these new bands cropping up that are like, you know, doing that sound and doing that style. And not that we like i like you said i love noctilus i love vane and you know i think they're they have ushered in like this super cool new era of bands but i think we we knew if maybe not new but we were worried that you know if we sort of like stuck to sounding like a million other bands current bands sound we were worried about just kind of getting swept away and all that and we're all big you know like melodic metalcore fans and I mean, as you can tell, you know, Poison the Well is one of my favorite bands of all time. Misery Signals, Seven Angels, Seven Plagues, all that stuff is huge for me. So we we definitely wanted that to come through as well without it being like too too derivative, I guess. Um, Because we, as much as we love all that stuff, we're also super into hardcore. We all come from hardcore and we we tried to sort of have that come through in the music so that it's like if you're coming to it from like a metalcore background it'll be super accessible to you but if you're coming to it from like a hardcore background it'll be like okay maybe this isn't what i usually listen to but i can see where they're pulling from and you know appreciate it and i feel like so far so good with that i feel like we've been we've been able to kind of win people over on both sides, which is exactly what we wanted. And I definitely think that I can attribute a lot of that receptiveness to bands like Knocked Loose and Vane, who, you know, are are taking all these things and blending them together. But not only that, they're supporting upcoming bands and smaller bands and, you know, giving them a platform. And I, I think that that philosophy that, that they have is is awesome. And I, I definitely think that that is a huge contributor as to why we were able to kind of like go over so well absolutely yeah yeah and earlier you mentioned turmoil i think turmoil is a great blueprint for any heavy band particularly the process of that's one of the greatest records of all time oh yeah it's it's incredible and it's it's timeless too you know like (laughs) i i still listen to it and i'm like 
how did they write this? Like, this is crazy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They were one of the first hardcore bands I got into. They were one of the first hardcore bands I saw. So they always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, they're incredible. I, uh, I know they did, a. a couple reunion shows in like 2014. I think I like yeah. just missed the mark. I think I had discovered them maybe a year later in like 2015. And I was so bummed. I was like, Oh my God, I missed this reunion show by literally a year. So I, I would love to get the chance to see them someday. I was at the, this is hardcore reunion, but this is how stupid I am. I used to be like really high and drunk all the time. So I'm at the show and I'm watching Turmoil, and it was getting kind of crazy, and I was like, uh, you know what, I'm just going to leave. And then I left, and after Turmoil, Converge played with oh, Steven Brodsky on guitar, and they played The Saddest Day and like yep. some other classic Converge stuff, and I, I really, really regret walking out on that one. I did. Yeah. I used to make some pretty dumb choices. <laughs> I, um, I, they were one of the main reasons I wanted to go that year, and I, I didn't end up going, and I remember seeing like the video of it and just being like god i can't believe i missed this i i still watch the video of that set like fairly regularly because it's it's awesome i just watched it the other week i was like hey stupid remember when you missed that show (laughs) oh let's go watch the video okay i i can think of so many examples of that where where i was like looking back i'm like oh i really wanted to go to this show like why didn't i go you know it was like a lot a lot of times like shit would just get in the way and there, it was like out of my control but then there are a lot of other instances i can think of where i'm like realistically i probably could have made it happen it just bums me out so I, I try not to i try not to do that anymore like if there's a show i'm like ooh, i really want to go just be like not even like make excuses just do everything i can to go yeah and i mean hindsight is always twenty twenty, but you know this podcast before it became what it is now we used to we were under a different name and we would post a lot of show flyers and all this stuff. Mm. And I would see all these shows in the Philadelphia area. And I was like, why wasn't I at this? Why wasn't I at this? Yep. Why wasn't I at this? But I, I realized in hindsight, like I mostly went to shows that my friend's band played because I traveled with them a lot. And uh, I don't know. I just had other priorities at the time, but yeah, hey, whatever. I still got to see a lot of good bands. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I can definitely relate to that a lot. <laughs> So we're playing gigs. We're doing a full US. We've released four songs in four <laughs> years. That's a song a year. That's pretty good. Um, talk about Bleed the Dream. This is how you got on my radar. I'm sure how you got on many people's radar. Talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, going into 2020, pre-pandemic, we were already like, all right, we need to like buckle down and, and write, you know, write an EP, write, you know, a more cohesive release. And um, I think one of one of the main issues that that we had been having prior to that is, like I had mentioned earlier, like, when I first joined the band back in 2016, like, Tyler wrote everything. And for the most part, for the releases following that, he wrote like 90% of it. And then like the rest of us would help out with the other 10%, but it was mostly him. And we all wanted to contribute to the writing process. You know, we wanted it to be a a collaborative effort. Um, And so one of the main things we wanted to focus on was like writing together, writing as a group. And um, right when the pandemic hit, we were supposed to go on 
we were supposed to hop on the tail end of this uh, sanction tour that they were doing. And our drummer still lived in South Carolina at the time. And he flew up to Delaware the day before the tour was supposed to start. And then we found out it had gotten canceled and the world was starting to get shut down and everything. So our drummer was like up here in Delaware and like couldn't really go home. Uh, so we were like, well, fuck it. Like this is the perfect excuse to like start writing. And so we just kind of like hold up in, in Tyler's apartment and just jammed a bunch of songs out and just kind of didn't really think too much about it. Just kind of like got it all out on paper and tracked a bunch of demos and kind of did that uh periodically for like the next couple months so we we probably had about like five or six songs worth of material and um then at one point we were like all right we have all this stuff here's what we like here's what we don't like and started kind of like trimming the fat you know and you know if, if there was like one part of a demo we liked we'd pull from that and scrap the rest or you know if there was a demo that was like mostly good with like a couple parts we didn't like then we'd go in and you know, rearrange and rewrite. And we definitely, during that process, were, were struggling to work as a group. You know, it was, we just, we had never done it before. And it was just getting kind of hectic and kind of stressful on everyone. And was it just like, uh, because more people are, are involved with writing now, different people have different ideas? What was it? Yeah, I think it was like, so one of the, one of the great things about the band is the five of us, you know, we all have like, artists that we all love but we also all have like pretty different tastes in music and you know different approaches to writing music and you know different elements we wanted to incorporate and i think kind of trying to wrestle between these like five differing points of view um when we had never done that before it was we just we didn't really know how to do it we didn't really know how to like communicate our ideas and um it just ended up being kind of like tricky and frustrating. And, you know, it was definitely harder than we were anticipating it to be. And, you know, we, we kind of felt like we were at like a, like we'd hit a wall and um, Tyler also plays guitar in the band wrist meat razor. And they had done pre-production with our friend Isaac from knocked loose. Um, he had like helped them write their record. And he was like, we had a wrist razor had a great experience writing with Isaac. Like he's our friend. We all know him. Like, how would you guys feel about having him come out for like a couple days and just like go through these songs with him? And we were like, that's a great idea. Cause like what we, what we really needed was like an outside objective perspective. And um, yeah, so he came out and we spent like three or four days just kind of going through the songs and, he really was able to help us, you know, trim the fat. And, uh, you know, that was how separation souvenir came together was with him there. And, you know, we wrote the song hesitation marks. We, that was completely new. We sat down and wrote it together in a night. And that was like the first time we'd ever done something like that. And it was just like a, a really like good feeling, you know, cause it, it really felt like a more collaborative effort as opposed to like, one person writing everything and the rest of us just kind of like showing up and playing the parts, you know? So that, that experience having Isaac there was awesome. And, um, he, he was a huge help and we're all super thankful to him for that. Cause I mean, we, we've known him for a while just on like a personal level 
And, you know, so he's someone we all felt comfortable around, but also someone whose music, you know, his musical abilities and his taste, we respect and trust. Um, so I think having that dynamic was super important and, and having all the songs come together. And we, we all walked away from that weekend, like super stoked on the songs, which was great. Yeah. And what, how great to have that opportunity to have someone help you out like that, because I know it can be contentious writing with a band. Well, shit, it can be contentious with me writing with my band. So I'm just thinking about an expert coming in and be like, hey, guys, try this, try that. Don't do this, do that. And I'm like, wow, awesome. Yeah, it, it was it definitely was like uh, eye opening because he he was coming in with a fresh perspective and was making suggestions that like we were like, oh, I never would have thought of that. So it, and w- without I think the key part was without being too overbearing, too. He was very like you know, this is my opinion. This is what I think would sound good, but ultimately it's up to you guys. But nine times out of 10, we ended up agreeing with his idea and it made the songs better for sure. Yes. I mean, look at the results. The EP is great. And if anyone out there is listening and has not heard it or the band yet, I really recommend you do so. Jack, you mentioned earlier, you know, you were getting way bigger of a reaction than you ever thought. And you just had to put your phone away what were you, were you getting like too many social media notifications or people texting you saying, I want more, I need more. What was coming through? Um, it was more so just social media. Uh, <laughs> like, like I, I have the band's social media accounts linked to my phone. So I was just like having all these notifications come in from Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And I was like, this is way too much for me. Like <laughs> I need to like put all these on mute and just like, put my phone down and decompress you know it was like you know because on one hand it's obviously like you know it's a good thing you know it's like people were stoked and like super into it but i was like not used to receiving that level of attention you know i mean ever especially for for something that you know like a my band's music it was just very surreal yeah it's fun for about the first 30 minutes and then you get so dizzy like this happened to me, I posted something and there was just way too big of a reaction. So I just turned off notifications and had to walk away. Yeah, it, it's really like overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I definitely, that, that definitely taught me. I was like, all right, I got to turn off these notifications. So I'm not like going insane whenever we, we make a post, you know? <laughs> Do any negative ones make it through and then you want to like dig into the person? Um, Sometimes, yeah. I mean, you know, I think with 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 anything like creative that you put out into the world, there's always going to be people who are like, "Oh, I don't like this," or like want to talk shit on it. But I I tried to just like not really pay too much attention. Like I I'd see it sometimes, but ultimately I just tried to focus on the people who were stoked on it, which you know totally outshines any of that. Like I I definitely am way more thankful you know or way way more uh way more excited to have people love us than to have people talking shit on us so i I just tried to focus on the the good aspects of it and luckily that was able to hold my attention yeah it's best to just do that and you know what the it sucks or this sucks guys i don't get mad at them or i try not to get mad at them because i was one of those guys i was one of those little shits on a message board just saying this sucks that sucks uh, if it's not one of the three bands I listen to, it sucks. So <laughs> I know that mindset. I know it because I was that. 
Yeah, I, I definitely went through that period of time too, where I was like, you know, like you said, I've got these like this amount of bands that I listen to. And if you don't sound like this, then you suck. I don't care, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so th- I definitely understand being at that point where you're just like, you, you just want to, you know, talk shit on, on music that you don't like. I, mean, I get it. But I, I just try it. I mean, n- now that I'm older and, you know, like more receptive, I would say to music, I, I look back and I'm like, why did I ever do that? You know, <laughs> like it's, but I, but at the same time, when I see those types of comments, like you said, I have to remind myself, I was like, I definitely am guilty of the same thing for sure. Yeah. I, you know what? That is a good question. Why? I don't know if I've ever really thought about why I did it. I think because I had my little circle of friends and our bands, and maybe I felt a bit elitist or something. So yeah. if anything, challenged that or was outside of that i just swatted it down and uh you know it's not the best attitude yeah i i would say that's definitely the same thing for me like i think about how much music i wrote off when i was younger because it like didn't fit what i wanted to listen to and you know artists that i got into later in my life that i'm like why why did i ever like refuse to listen to this this is awesome so i I, I definitely think it's probably just, you know, I would say it's a phase most people go through if you're super into music. Like there's always going to be when you're younger, you're going to feel like super elitist about your taste and write, write off a lot of a lot of bands and artists that you don't think you're going to like. But, you know, who knows? You might actually end up liking them someday. Yeah, I think it's just part of it. You know, I had a phase where I only listened to obscure stuff stuff i didn't even really like just to seem cool uh i had a point where like i would pretend not to like music i like because other people said it was bad uh there there was many phases and now i just listen to what i want and i really don't care what anybody says and that's the place to be oh absolutely yeah i'm i'm definitely in that in that same headspace and it's just so much easier to just listen to whatever I want to listen to and not worry about what anybody has to say about it. Exactly. Exactly. You make the art, you put it out there, and that's it. The It's out of your hands at that point. Yep, exactly. Well, the band, there's more going on with the band. We have signed with Sharp Tone Records. We have a new single and video out, Chlorine Tears. Yes? Yeah. How is everything going? How has the reception been? Tell us about it. It's been awesome. Again, we we actually got approached by Sean, who runs Sharp Tone, like a week after we dropped the music video for Separation Souvenir. We got in touch with our now manager, Tom, and he was uh, you know, super interested in managing us and we got along really well with him. So we it was just kind of like a, a no brainer. And he was acquainted with Sean and knew that Sean was like super into the band and liked what he was hearing. So we sent him the EP and he hit us up and he was like, let's, uh, let's get on a call. Let's talk. It went super well. And we were all, we were all vibing with it. And we just were like, yeah, this is the one, like he just seemed so excited about our band and like really just genuinely wanted to uplift us and you know help us do bigger things and just a very very genuine intentions and we were like all right yeah like this is the one we got to do this and um we were able to work on 
we recorded two new songs uh, back in June with Will Putney, who is, you know, I mean, he's basically just like, he's like the metalcore producer at this point. You know, he's like such a big name and he's worked with so many bands that, that we listen to or that we look up to. So like, even just like getting that opportunity to like, oh, we're going to go record with Will Putney. It was like, we were all kind of in awe you know <laughs> like this definitely like seemed it seemed larger than life and we spent like five or six days in the studio with him and it was just it was so awesome i mean andy nelson who recorded bleed the dream uh he he's in chicago and so we went out to chicago to record that ep and it was great um we had an awesome time with him he fucking killed it on the ep like I highly recommend anyone who plays in a band going to him because he, he just kills it every time. He's done so many awesome albums and it's always good. I'm not like a huge production guy, but even when I listen to that EP, I'm like, this recording is great. Yeah, he, he killed it. He nailed down exactly what we were going for and just, I mean, honestly made it sound better <laughs> than than we were hoping it would. Um, so he was like, he was awesome. And, you know, I think Will Putney was probably like one of the only people whose name could be brought up where we were like, all right, we'll go to him instead, you know, cause we were all so happy with how the dream had come out working with Andy, but you know, with Will, it's just like, it was like an opportunity we, we had to take. Yeah. It's like someone saying, Hey, do you want to record with Rick Rubin? You just, you just go do it. Yeah, exactly. It was like, we'd be stupid not to do this. and. Uh, we, we ended up, uh, clicking really well with him. So obviously, you know, like Will is a great songwriter and, uh, he was able to help us sort of like restructure the songs that we brought him. And it was cool because, you know, like he is, you know, he, he's got this great ear for songwriting, but he's also, you know, super into all of like the obscure metalcore bands that we pull influence from. So like we'd be we'd be rewriting a part and he'd be like, Oh, you want this part to sound like Caven, let's do this. Or like, oh, you want this part to be like a like a Thursday singing part, let's do this. Like just anything anything that we were going for, he was like right in line with it. And so he he helped us sort of like learn how to create a better song structure while still sticking to like our sound and like without without us feeling like we were trying to be a different band than we were which was like just it was it was awesome just immediately that solidified i was like yeah this is gonna be great <laughs> and you know the recording process itself was awesome i mean he he's got it down to a science you know it was it was super streamlined and it, it also you know it, it was streamlined and it like it was a relatively easy process but he also you know helped us get you know the best takes of all of our respective instruments. And, you know, I, I definitely think that shows through on the recording. It's definitely some of the most proud I've been of my playing. And I mean, I don't really have a, a super long history of singing, but he, he definitely helped me. Uh, he helped to coach me to do singing parts that like prior to recording that I didn't think I'd be able to pull off. And uh, I'm definitely thankful to him for that. It was just, such an awesome experience and i think we're going to go back 
and do a record with them early next year because we just we had so much fun and it was such a great learning experience so yeah that was how chlorine tears came together and then we did the video for it and we wanted to put it out um right before the stick to your guns tour you know to sort of i mean a announce the signing with sharp tone and b sort of like create a little hype so that we'd have this new song to play on the tour and that's also been great you know i feel like through sharp tone we're reaching this whole broader audience that never would have heard of us otherwise and it's been super cool to to see that it's working because someone sent me the video and i was like yes yes i will speak to this band right away <laughs> that's awesome that's good to hear. Yeah. uh well that's great yeah and it's got to be great to work with someone like will who who knows all the bands that you guys love he can dial you in to mm-hmm. to match the vibes that you're trying to match and just get the best out of you yeah yeah it, it i i think you know that was definitely a a key aspect of having the songs come out as good as they did was just him having this complete understanding of of our band and what we were going for like despite it being like the first day we'd met in person he was like he was locked in he knew what we what we wanted and it, it was just it was awesome we we all we had great chemistry with him it was just such a such a fun experience and i i i'm usually not someone who has fun recording so that that says a lot yeah recording is fun eventually the the first couple days are just torture yeah i think even like just having to just having to track guitars is just like excruciating for me you know it's by by like two hours in i'm like I never want to hear this guitar part again. Well, we've got a new video out. We've got a new record label. It sounds like there's another song hiding out somewhere. What's next? What can we expect? Um, yeah, so we're we're doing the Stick to Your Guns Soar, and the other song will be out probably October. Um, we're going to release it in promotion for another tour that we have planned later this year that hasn't been announced yet, but it's it's a fucking awesome tour i'm very excited for it and beyond that we don't have much planned um we we're definitely going back into the studio with will uh early next year in the winter to to do our first lp which will be definitely be an experience i i think uh i'm definitely feeling optimistic about that i just feel like throughout writing lead the dream writing with isaac and writing with will we're in this really good spot creatively where we're learning more and more how to write together and how to work with each other. And so I, I think, you know, I, I definitely feel like going into writing this record, it's just going to be, um, I mean, obviously a continued learning experience, but I feel like we're, we're just, we're in a much better place of, of understanding each other. And I think that'll help creatively. I think that that'll help bring out the best in, in all of us. And I'm definitely very, excited to to keep working on it it's weird to think that the next record will be the first lp i mean I you guys have been at it a <laughs> while and you've had a couple releases and you've managed to do so much with the songs that you've released yeah it's it's very insane i mean i, I remember at at one point when we were writing bleed the dream we we considered like making it an lp and then kind of quickly we're like nah let's just do an ep and uh ultimately I, i'm glad we did it that way because i think as much as i wasn't expecting it to it served as a great stepping stone us us putting that out and then 
you know, being able to sign a sharp tone and do these really cool tours, it just ended up working out in our favor. And I, I'm excited to to finally actually be be able to to go in and do a full record. Yeah, well, it's going to be good. I mean, everything has led to this moment. So I'm sure a lot of experience and passion and everything else is going to go into that record. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's definitely going to be, I mean, I, I've never really, I play in another band called Simulacra and we put out an LP this year as well that we wrote basically over the course of 2020 while Foreign Hands was writing Bleed the Dream. So that was, you know, a pretty crazy process writing a full record. So I'm definitely excited to to do it again with Foreign Hands this time. I just think it it'll be a great learning experience and I'm I'm fully expecting it to be super stressful, but I, I'm excited all the same. You know, another reason you got on my radar is the This Day Forward tribute shirt. And I have uh-huh. to ask about this. How did it come about? Whose idea was it? Tell me about it. So they're they're one of those bands that we we pull influence from. Um, I, I think we're we're all the kind of people that will like go and dig through the internet and just like look for super obscure bands. And this day forward being one of them that that Tyler and I found, however long ago I can't remember, probably around the same time I found Turmoil. I just think that they're a super underrated band and. I really, I really love their sound and everything. And we, uh, we considered covering them, but we were like, not sure if anyone would know it and their songs are kind of long. So we were like, all right, rather than covering them, let's just like rip a shirt design. And that's like the, this day forward shirt design. And we were like, this will be cool. Like, you know, a handful of people will probably get it and be into it. And a lot a lot of people were into it like more than we expected so it was it was cool that uh that it was able to resonate with so many people because obviously it's a band that that we weren't around to see but we still love that band and it, it's cool that we we would have people come up and buy the shirts and be like yeah i used to love seeing this band or you know stuff like that it was just cool to see how many other people have an appreciation for this older band that's definitely something we've seen a lot through foreign hands just like paying homage to to all these old late 90s early 2000s metalcore bands and and people catching on you know beyond just like oh this sounds like poison the well uh that's been very cool yeah that's awesome this day forward are probably my best friends we grew up together yeah we went to shows together i used to tour with them i filled in uh, on bass for them before i used to sell merchandise for them on their last couple tours so we are we are deeply intertwined. <laughs> no kidding. That's so awesome. In fact, Jack, uh, I've been in a group text with them and some other people for over a decade now, and we were talking about the shirt. Were they Were they cool with it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of yes. worried about that because I know that they're like Philadelphia area, right? Okay. I'm glad that they weren't like mad or offended by it because it was definitely all in in good faith for sure no it's a it's i think it's a great homage and uh i really like what you and the band are doing and i think it's great dude thank you so much i mean that that means a lot for real and 
Yeah, that's just, that's crazy to hear. I remember um, when we were putting together the lineup for the Bleed the Dream release show, we were like, I wonder if we could get a This Day Forward reunion set. And ultimately we're like, nah, probably not. And just (laughs) gave up on it pretty quick, but (laughs) definitely would be cool to see. I've been personally working on a This Day Forward reunion for, I would say over five years now. (laughs) I, I I've been bothering them almost daily and i've had everybody well not everybody i've had most of them on this podcast mm-hmm. and uh, we've talked about it in in depth so i'm I'm working on it jack i'm working on it yeah you're fighting the good fight <laughs> i'll have to go back and uh and listen to those episodes but they're great people and a great band so happy happy to see the connection there yeah I, i'm i'm happy to hear that there is a connection that's that's awesome yes we're from generally the same area so there are many connections yeah. Again, you know, that's that's what it's like living in that greater Philadelphia slash Delaware area. Everybody everybody knows each other some way or another. Well, Jack, this has been awesome. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I love what you and the band are doing. So keep doing what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to more. Yeah, man. Again, thank you so much for having me. This was great. And Really, really appreciate you giving me some some time to talk and having me on here. This was this was awesome. And there you have it, Jack Beatson. I really enjoyed that conversation. I really dig this band. And I'm happy to support another up-and-coming band from our general area, Brendan. They're making music that's really awesome. They have awesome influences. They did mention Turmoil, The Process Of, which should be like an evergreen influence for any slightly metallic hardcore band. I love that uh, they're fans of This Day Forward. You know, they talked about the tribute shirt and how that came together and how they wanted you to play their record release show, Brendan. What, what was the tribute shirt? Was it the lionfish? Yeah. Damn. I, and my friend Ian took that of his own lionfish in Florida like 20 years ago or something. And I think they really, they probably owe him like some kind of royalties on that, on that t-shirt, but that's where that came from. Yeah. Kind of crazy. I love that. Yeah. See, we're getting the inside scoop from you. I love it. There it is. Yeah, man. This stuff's really cool. I listened to some of their music. Um, yeah, listen to Bleed the Dream. Is that a band? Bleed the Dream? If it's not a band name, it will be in two years, right? Somewhere. It will be now, 100%. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I, I'm still struggling a little bit with that. You know, I'm an older hardcore guy that's not implanted in the scene as much anymore. Like, I, you know, like I haven't been as involved. So when I listen to newer bands, my brain just automatically is like, oh, that reminds me of something. And I... I have to listen to things a few times because the first couple of listens, I'm actually like, oh, what does that remind me of? More than I'm actually listening to the music, I feel like half the time. And then so, I mean, then I go back and I'm like listening to Sky Came Falling and I'm like, oh, yeah, that is what this sort of reminds me of. <laughs> like, which yeah. that, that was the one with this record. I was like, this kind of reminds me of Sky Came Falling and maybe like early this day forward a little bit, but early this day forward, definitely poison the well. Yeah. And I was going to say that. Um, and I was going to use that as an example, sort of, because I think what's really cool about hardcore music right now is that there's, there are a few decades of history and influence to draw from, which is, 
obviously it's different than when when we were younger there's there's more there now for people to to have like in their in their palate so it, it's cool to listen and, and think like oh well that sort of reminds me of a sky came falling thing but they have their new twists and they they got to hear what like some of Meshuggah's best work that came out like over the past seven years or whatever and they got to hear all these other bands and they have their own influences so like the, it's cool to hear the old influences there, but with, you know, the the state of things now added into it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And just, I don't know what it is, but when I listen to their song Separation Souvenir, that's on Bleed the Dream. There's this melodic break that like goes into a heavier part. And I almost tear up every time I hear it. Even just talking about it now, I can feel like all this emotion. I think it's just, it reminds me of the old days. We were out on tour this day forward and we're like, young and figuring things out we don't know what the hell's going on or what's coming up next and you know like they're living that right now they've figured out their sound they've locked onto something they're on these incredible tours they're young they're out there they're doing it it's like this beautiful circle of life thing and it, it just hearing the music like it reminds me of all those good times and i i really dig that yeah i think uh more than any of your other uh, episodes that I've listened to, I got that feeling not, and it, but it wasn't from the music as much as just listening to him talk about being out in California and, you know, like staying with his girlfriend out there. And I'm like, Oh shit, I remember that. And I remember like these first couple tours where things started to get exciting. Um, and, and you were surprised by your own success and that, that people are enjoying what you're doing as much as you are. Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of felt that same thing listening to this stuff. The stuff the musicians say, it always triggers something. I think about you a lot, Brendan. I think of you as like the gold standard of what you have to do to really carve out a career in music. You know, like sleeping in cars and driving back and forth and staying with people, all that shit that you did. Well, that's interesting because I've been thinking about that myself a little bit as far as, I mean, I, the word success means so many different things to everybody that s s hears it, you know? Um, but I, I've been asked sort sort of to do a, a thing at the school of rock here where I would go in and work with some of the kids. Um, and maybe like they, we would work on songs they want to play. We would work on some circus songs. And also I would talk to them about what it means to devote your life to music and to want to do it as a career. Um, which I think probably I can offer more, from that perspective than I can from a musical theory or musical talent perspective, but I've lived, I live the life, you know, and it's, uh, it really is a lot. There's a lot that goes into it outside of music. Uh, and the one thing that's really been on my mind <laughs> for a good reason recently is that I did do that. I did a lot of the sacrifice and the commitment more so than like a lot of people have to for, for this type of thing and for other types of, careers, I guess. But it's a thing that you have to do if you want to make this lifestyle work. There's going to be major sacrifice. What I didn't do is the thing that I've been thinking about the most. And that was like, generally plan for what could happen next if the bottom falls out. And, and that I mean, that was in my head forever, that that's a possibility. But that that's the thing that I think I would work on, you know, like, really discussing with people as, as part of that discussion is like, Hey man, there's another side to this, you know, like 
there's the commitment, there's the dedication. Um, and then there's also like a real world element of like, sometimes things fall apart. What do you do in that situation? How do you deal with it? Uh, and that's probably just where I am in life. So that's on my mind, but. That makes sense. And that would be a great opportunity, I think. The School of Rock, working with the kids, sharing your experience. That would be awesome. I mean, it sounds really cool. It sounds like something that I would enjoy doing. It also, I I just like, I don't have the type of ego that says, oh yeah, there are people that would want to hear you talk. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I know that feeling. (laughs) And be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I'm not the singer of a band, you know, like I wasn't on the cover of guitar magazines or anything like that. So I I think there's a very niche audience that would be interested, but. um, I don't know. I think because Circa is a pretty well-known band and you're really good at playing guitar. I mean, the shit you do is it's not just like regular rhythm and that's it. I mean, you you play some pretty awesome leads and shit. Like you're really doing it. You know, I think you I think you have a lot to contribute, both in story and experience and actual playing. Yeah. I mean, uh, all right, I'll do it. I'm sold. There you go. Done. <laughs> See, we get things done here at the new scene. Sometimes you just need a little kick in the ass, you know? Exactly. Well, Brendan, let's check in. Let's talk about how we're doing. We did that a little bit already, but I want to hear more from you. Now, you know, I told Jack from foreign hands that I've been working on a this day forward reunion for probably over five years now. What, what's going on there? Any, any discussions, any, uh, anything to talk about? I, I mean, I think it's the same sort of, it's the same sort of thing where it's like, we were never like a, an ego band, um, which I think sort of in this moment is like, uh, what's going to happen if we do a reunion show? And there is undoubtedly a massive resurgence in the interest in hardcore and uh, that that whole scene in general. So it could be awesome or it could be like we get together to do this thing and it turns out fucking weird. And um, I don't know, man. No, I, I see that it's because, um, you, you know, I've seen bands do a reunion and it becomes a big like look at Hope's Fall. They reunited after a long hiatus. They put out a record. The record was fantastic. They're playing shows. Everybody's very happy to have them back. And then I've seen bands do a reunion gig where no one really shows up to the first gig and then it kind of peters out. So, I mean, it's interesting. Like Hope's Fall really put out a fantastic record when they came back together. And that's not a small part of that. They were in it and they really dedicated some energy to it. Uh, and part of the thing with this day forward is knowing that everybody has real world stuff going on, a lot of which is totally exhausting right now. Yes. Um, and I think everybody sort of has this idea like that would be fun, but there's just so much other stuff happening. But yeah, I mean, like if it comes around, I, I think it could be a lot of fun. I, I, I don't know. It's very strange. Also, this day forward, like and. Maybe it didn't happen with Hope's Fall. Maybe it did. I know I know that they had a difficult sort of end to the band. Um, yes. But the thing with this day forward is like, I think at some point we felt like we had just peaked and that we were like, where do we go from here? Kind of. Yeah. Um, it's sort of strange to jump back in and, and write music after that, you know? Yeah. What, what are we going to do now when we sort of had that feeling once? But who knows? It was fucking 20 years ago. So we might be the best band that's not a band right now. <laughs> probably not though <laughs> one of them i mean i think so yeah it's yeah. probably Soundgarden or something but 
Oh, right. I'm forgetting about like real. Yeah. Like <laughs> real, <music. laughs> real bands. Yeah. No offense to everybody. <laughs> that's not the state forward. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this is just me spitballing. I think in terms of this day forward and a reunion or things like that, I think it could happen. It just doesn't feel like right now is the time. It's it's yeah, man, it's too tough right now. There's too much shit. I think we got a, a couple of us got to get our feet underneath our where, where do your feet go? Like uh, underneath our uh, ankles, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. So we can start walking again and and feel a little more stable. But man, when you have kids, it's just not as easy to to dive back into stuff like that. Um, that too. And Gary's got like five 14, kids now. 15 kids. All right. So Brendan, Circa Survive just very recently announced they're on indefinite hiatus. How are you doing? What's going down? Um, yeah, so that was really just a couple of days ago and it's emotional. It's a pretty emotional time. I, I think like this time in my life, uh, feeling physically sad is not something I deal with that often. Usually it's like, oh, I have anxiety about this or I'm stressed about this or I'm laughing about this. Uh, but like, I can remember the last time that like my body felt sad and it was when somebody died. And generally I'm just like, oh yeah, sad shit happens, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, this is something that we've sort of all been dealing with for a while now. We have been on a hiatus, so that's not new, but uh, saying it out loud definitely, definitely feels different. There's some emotion that comes along with that and having everybody sort of, you know, send their comments and their, I guess, love and condolences and thank yous and all those types of things. It's a bit of an emotional time, but uh, how am I doing outside of that? It's just, uh, it's a crazy fucking crazy time. It's a, it's like, uh, it's very difficult to hit a reset button at this point. Uh, and like in your, when you're around 40 years old, although I feel like a lot, a lot of people sort of have to do that in their lifetime around this age. Yep. Uh, a lot of career shifts around this age, but you know, I'm, I'm now like, well, what do I do? Do I want to tour? Do I want to continue to make music? Do I want to be home with my family? What, what are, I have to sit down and like really figure out in order the lists of things, you know, like the importance of things moving forward and try to piece things together around that. I'm glad you mentioned that. I wanted to ask you, like, I was wondering about you and music now. Like, I can't imagine you starting a new band and going out on tour again. Well, so the thing that happened, you know, I said I was feeling kind of emotional this week. I think what that really did was tell me that, like, I'm never going to be a person that can work a nine to five job that can be on the clock, have my efficiency rated like that type of workspace. I, I'll mm -hmm. just slowly fade away. And I, and not only for myself, I don't want to be a shell of a person for my daughter and my family here. You know, like I want to, I don't want to just be, it, it's really weird. The trade-off you can have as, as a parent who feels like a provider um, not the only provider, but a provider and feel like, well, I'm doing all this for my family. I got to keep, keep the roof up. You know what I mean? I yes. got, I want my daughter to have things. I want her to, to be able to have good things. And I, and I feel like there's a side of that conversation that totally gets neglected as far as, oh yeah, well, like having a dad that's present and isn't fucking depressed is a big thing, you know? So that is a line that I have to find, but I know I'm not going to be fulfilled doing like these 
sort of menial labor jobs or anything that that I don't feel I'm at least somewhat creative or at least interacting with people in a way that is making me feel like I'm not sort of wasting my days. So I, I have to find something that's a balance and gives me enough energy outside of work to like to still be creative and, and to still make music. Now I feel like I have different goals as far as that, but I definitely was reminded like, hey, you're not done being creative. You're not done making things. That's the thing that that you need to be in touch with to be a happy person and to like to be fulfilled and have people want to spend time with you and to be good for other people. Um, So I don't have the goals of like necessarily being like a big band that's like just making money off of being a band, but I know I have to be creative. And and it's, it's just like I have people call me and say like, well, you should start a new band. Like, and it's like, dude, the amount of luck that's involved with that, the amount of work and dedication uh, that's involved with that, it's not something that I can do in this position where I have a family to take care of. So Exactly. The ramp up for a new band, that would be like another decade. It's wild. And like we were talking about before, like I really, to get to where I was with Circa, you know, it took going through a hardcore band in my town and then going to work with this day forward and sleeping in a parking lot for a long time and sleeping on floors for a long, like a couple of years. And so there is that ramp up until you make it to a certain place. And I have my foot in the door and I have contacts now where I could skip over some of that part. Yeah. But you, but I also don't have the grace period of like, there's a mortgage here. I have to pay it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's just kind of the way it is. So. I think uh, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but it's true. You know, you just have to be in the process. And I don't want to say life finds a way because that's what the guy says in Jurassic Park. But uh, I guess you find a way in life. I I mean, I have found that without even really trying too hard. You know, like I was checked out completely uh, smashed up on drugs and I thought that was going to be it and that all creativity was done. And I didn't even know that creativity drove me at the time. And then I got clean and I started doing little things. I made social media for This Day Forward. I made a little video for you guys when you put out the record. That led to the Northeast Scene Instagram. That led to the podcast. There was other stuff in there, bands, acting, whatever. I found out that I'm driven by creativity. That's something that I need to do. And I've just ended just by living and putting in effort and not saying no, I've ended up in a position where I have a day job that allows me a lot of freedom to do what I need to do at night. Like everything just lined up perfectly. And I think that will happen for you too. It's still, we're still in very new territory. You're still figuring things out. You know, you were doing Circa from 2004 to 2022. Uh, I don't even know how many that years that is. I can't add that high, 35, but 35 years. That's like 35 years. So it's crazy. We're in the beginning stages of figuring things out, and I think you will because you always have. Well, there's definitely, yeah, I mean, I have my survival instincts were just like, okay, this isn't happening right now. It's been a tough two years with COVID. Like, do the first thing that you know is going to keep the roof up, and I'm okay with that. But then I very much recently have been realizing like, okay, you're reaching your limit of like, I can't reach a point where I just walk out of work and say, fuck it. Like, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. So I got to start planning. And that's never been a strong suit for me, uh, planning for the future. Yeah, it'll come around, man. I'm like, 
I'm open to things. So I think it'll come around and I'm, I'm sort of trying to reach out to contacts that I've made over the years and gather some ideas about direction. Cause I know I'm not the first person by any means to sort of have this shift in their life, you know? Exactly. And things are already happening. Look at this school of rock opportunity. There you go. There's that thing. Yeah. I just hate kids. So. <laughs> Wait, don't you have a kid? I mean, she's cool. Yeah. Is the thing that parents say true? Like, like I don't, I like kids, but in very small doses. And then I want to leave because I don't have the energy to keep up with them. But they, people always say, oh, when you have kids, you'll love them. And oh, it's different when it's your kid. That's true, right? I mean, I think the the biggest thing about the difficulty of parenting that that is just sort of like it, it's not available anymore is that it really does take a village to raise a kid. Like there, I don't think that it's supposed to be just one parent or two parents spending the majority of their time with their kid. Like it's supposed to be extended family or, you know, people that you live close in contact with or like literally like villages or it's it just, it's supposed to be more people involved with that. And especially through the pandemic, that just wasn't available to many people. Uh, so that shit's been exhausting to try to to figure out how to do that, especially when you don't have family around. I think it's just really tough for people these days. But to answer the actual question, it's like, yeah, I've never loved anything as much in my life. And that is a new strange balance to figure out. Like, how do I do that in a way that's that's absolutely healthy for the kid, healthy for me, you know, keep that balance. Cause it's a new type of love when it's your first child. Like you're trying to figure out what do I need from this love? Like, how do I not need something from the kid? Because this is a child. They're not always <laughs> able to offer the thing that you need, whether right. that, whether that's just like peace and quiet or whatever, like you have to figure out a way to, to make it work for yourself and to be the adult all the time. And like, even though I'm 40 something, like, it's not always easy to do that, man. Sometimes you're fucking tired. Sometimes you're fucking burnt out. But yep. how are you doing though, bud? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, here, something cool happened this past week. It was the 20th anniversary of the satellite years by Hope's Fall. And they solicited blurbs from a bunch of people, like just their experience with the album and the band. And I submitted one. And I, I just thought that was really cool because... Brendan, you're part of this story. We were on that tour in 2002 leading up to the release of The Satellite Years, and you had an advanced burn copy CDR of it. I think Josh gave it to you, and we were listening to it, and you showed me the Escape Pod for Intangible song, and Matt Talbot sang on it, and you're like, this is Matt Talbot from Hum, and I'm like, who's Hum? And then you showed me Hum, I think Stars, the first song I heard. And I was like, oh, my God. And that became one of my favorite bands. And I think you gave me that CD copy of The Satellite Years. At the tail end of my addiction, I I was in really bad shape. And I, I had to go see my psychiatrist because I was going to get this drug that was supposed to get me off the other drugs. And Was it ice cream? Uh, no, that's that's my drug now. So I remember being at my house and I'm like leaving to go to the psychiatrist. And I'm like, let me listen to The Satellite Years. It's been like 20 years since I've listened to that or not 20, but you know, a long time. So I think I was like searching for happier times or something through the music, you know, because that tour was a good time. That whole time was good. And I listened to the satellite years that took me to a types that took me to magnetic north. I'd never heard those albums. So I was just thinking like me being all fucked up, listening to hopes fall to them 
like posting me talking about them. It was this great full circle thing, and it made me feel really good. I was blown away at the time that anybody knew Hum. Yeah. <laughs> or anybody could work with Hum. It felt like a real crossover of um, scenes from like underground scene to uh, a band that had, you know, songs on TV and stuff like at the time, you know, songs on the radio. That was crazy to me that that was a possibility. And I absolutely love Hum. Still listen to them all the time. But yeah, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, how the fuck did they do this? How can we do this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Hum was not a staple band to draw from at the time in the scene. I think Hope's Fall were the first people to really do that. It's probably true. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go through my the depths of my brain to figure out if there was anybody else that was really, I think maybe code seven and they're, that's the same area too, right? Like they yeah, were sort of over there. They're good friends. Yeah. So it's like, uh, so that it's like makes a, sense, but yeah. So maybe there's something that all of those bands were getting from that area. Maybe it was just part of the scene there. That was a little bit of that element, but most likely they were just like, wow, hum's really good. <laughs> yeah. And we're digging on that, but yeah, that was the one rule in Hope's Fall is if you joined the band, you had to like hum. <laughs> I remember that from the many, many recordings that I tried to do with Josh that never got recorded for my for my podcast. So <laughs> Maybe you can bring the podcast back now. <sighs> I did think about it a little bit, but I would. Yeah. I mean, it would be fun, but I just would never edit it or fuck with it. I would just either put it out like raw or give it to somebody else to do it. That was the, that was the breaking point, dude. It takes up my whole week. Yeah, fuck that shit. Well, in other news, um, there's a lot of gigs I'm going to this weekend, and I'm not going to be able to talk about the shows in this episode, obviously, because they haven't happened yet. But tonight I'm going to see Soft Kill at Music Hall of Williamsburg. Tomorrow I'm going to see Avail at Irving Plaza, and Dead Guy is opening for them. And I've never seen Dead Guy, so that's cool. And then Sunday is the big Iodine show. One line drawing, Joe from Smoke or Fire, Her Head's on Fire, and Light Tower is opening. So check in next week. I'll have a full recap of all those gigs. Can I just say that Avail rules? Yeah. And I love them. They're awesome. Well, that's it. That's all I got. (laughs) All right. Ask me my three questions. Oh, you know what? I should have brought back, um, what's it called? Who would headline? Yeah, who would headline? All right. I'll give you one. Uh, Wait. Um, hold on, I'm gonna drop in the music. Alright. Alright, here we go. <laughs> here it is. Alright, who would headline? Rob Thomas with Santana or uh Dave Matthews band? Rob Thomas with Santana, because that that's that song has just grown with power over the years. <laughs> Am I right? I have no fucking clue, dude. <laughs> That's not how this game is played, I don't think. I don't think there's a right or wrong. Although you always did come down on me hard and say I was wrong. Yeah, I I was wrong. Like, we did it with Mike Mig, and I did Earth Crisis or Snapcase, and I, I picked Snapcase, like, as the right answer. And he's like, I don't think you're right. And I was like, no, I am. And then uh, Earth Crisis Snapcase <laughs> tour happened. And that- Earth Crisis headlined, and I was like, I texted Mike. I was like, sorry, man, you were right. Yeah, I th- I mean, I think I would have got that one right, but I didn't know what I was doing because okay, like, a lot of it's like a lot of it is like who would headline if they played in my backyard? Probably Snapcase, but <laughs> yeah, that's I was thinking from my perspective. I wasn't looking at the numbers as I should have. Yeah, it's your game, though. You fucked. You really fucked up. <laughs> well, Brendan, it's great to have you back on the show. 
You're always a welcome presence here. Come back again and guest host. This is awesome. Cool, man. Let me know if you ever can't make it one week. I'll I'll come in and um, bring my own guest host. Okay. Yeah, if I'm uh, if I'm ever like out on medical leave or on vacation or something, you can take over and just call it off the beat podcast, and you host it and bring your own guest. And if if you are in a coma, can you write something up for this just in case? Yeah, if you're in a coma, I'll pretend to be you. I won't oh, okay. even say my name. I'll just come on as if nothing's happened. Pretend to be you and go on with it. Yeah, and we'll just never say anything. No, for sure. All right. Done deal. It's and then done. when you come back, you'll be like, "I'm I'm back from my coma," <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, I'll have like tons to talk about. You know, me in a coma—that's big news. Yeah, this shit was wild. All right. Well, listen, we're out of time, but we hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening, and until next time.